Welcome to Dear Business Coach, the podcast. My name's Elizabeth, coming to you from the Walker Consulting Works studio. Find one thing to move your business forward today. With conversations, spotlights, interviews, articles, and free resources. Listen, follow, and subscribe on social media. Dear Business Coach Podcast, we're on Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. And don't forget, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. All it takes sometimes is one little thing to move your business forward today. Denine, welcome back to the Dear Business Coach podcast. Been doing some big things this this year. So I feel honored to have you here. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. And yes, I've been living my grander dream lifestyle. <laughs> well, I can't exactly keep up with your traveling schedule. It's pretty exciting. You are here today because I want to ask you about building a panel, your experience in the corporate world and how to build a successful panel, but specifically what you dedicate your work to is elevating women of color, the voices of women of color. And so that's really what I interpret your work from the corporate world to be is creating opportunities through your work, developing panels for women of color. Is that, is that true? Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And that's actually where my um, podcast, uh, Women of Color and Intimate Conversation, that's where it grew from. So I had created a panel for uh, a national event um, to uh, provide LGBTQ plus women of color and allies a platform to use their voices. And I had moderated that panel for three years straight. And then after the third year was asked, what's next? And I said, oh, you know, I'm thinking of podcasts. And this was the end of October of 2019. So then fast forward to uh, to 2020 and you know what that year was, right? It's like a year where it's like, wait a minute, what happened? And wait, what year is it now? And, you know, trying to think back, but in April of 2020, I went ahead and I launched the podcast and it's, it was an intimate conversation with women of color. And now it's women of color (laughs) in intimate conversation. And so, yes, it started as a panel for a corporate event. When you were developing the panel for a corporate event, um, one of the questions I had written down, I'm not even sure if this is really a great question to ask, but how much of that was instructed to you versus you saying, we need uh, women of color on a panel. Yeah, none of it. So most of what I did in the corporate world, I actually, it was me. It was me driving it. It was me based on um, doing analysis and research and having conversations with people that it impacted. Um, That's where it was a driver of. Um, And so I was preparing some colleagues um, the year before, so in 2016, to do a leadership workshop at this same event. And they pretty much were all white colleagues. And so I'm thinking, huh, there's some people missing. And so the next year, 2017, I proposed to the organization this panel for LGBTQ plus women of color and allies. They said, yes, it was their one of their most popular panels for the, the next three years. Whoa. 
So you saw a need and mm -hmm. luckily you, you were received here. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what I did is, and it's something that I, um, that I say, and I actually <laughs> said it Saturday on a panel, I moderated a panel for a different um, conference this past Saturday. And, you know, one of the things I was saying is like, Hey, when you look around, see who's missing and then invite them to the table. Right. And don't just invite them to have a seat, invite them and make them feel welcome, make them feel like they belong. So in this particular case, I kind of looked around and saw who was missing and it was women of color. And so I created a table for women of color for this particular event. And yes, it was well received. Do you think that it, it one of the challenges is leadership who maybe doesn't have uh, women of color represented? Yeah. So I think people, they tend to just... Um, Think about people who are like them um, and whether that's, I mean, that's leadership um, in, at the conference. It's um, it's recruiters in corporate, right? It's it's people at so many different, in all aspects. They don't necessarily think about anyone outside of their, we'll, we'll call it a comfort zone, um, you know, their neighborhood, if you will. They're not really thinking about who's not at that table. And so that's why it has to be a conscious effort to say, wait a minute, let me look around and let me see who's missing, right? And it's like, if everybody looks like you, okay, then maybe, you know, we need to question some things and we need to invite some people and we need to understand what what is the situation. Because sometimes it's maybe they did invite, but then they didn't make the people feel welcomed, right? They didn't make them feel like they belong. So they're like, oh, I'm not going back there. You know, I'm not going back to that particular table. So it's, 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 multiple things and that's why I say when you invite people to the table don't just invite them there engage them make them feel like they're welcome ask them to participate in the conversation if you are in the position to give somebody that opportunity you were lucky enough to be in the position to create that opportunity so now yes. as, as the person creating the panel, you automatically have a choice and a chance Absolutely. to give the person you invite to the panel an automatic position of authority, if you will. Yes. So I see that. And, but the next question that I had in, in this section was in creating opportunities for, for a speaker, all you have to do is put a microphone in front of them, right? Is it that easy? <laughs> no, it's definitely not that easy, right? Um, and I mean, even, you know, as podcasters, right? Um, we know that. Like for me, I'm more comfortable when I am uh, interviewing people. I'm more comfortable moderating a panel. Um, I'm less comfortable doing a solo episode and less comfortable being a keynote, right? Um, I do them all. However, it's still just a comfort level. Again, it's easier. And I'm good with having a conversation. I'm not leading. the Well, again, leading a conversation or having it great. Right. But for me to just sit up by myself, it's like, well, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. You know, <laughs> like, I, I don't know. Right. And so it's so, yes, um, it is not just easy as just putting someone in front of a mic. Right. You have to first get comfortable with being in front of people, however it is, being in front of people, being, you know, on the mic, 
whether you're doing a solo podcast episode or again, you're speaking in front of people, even if you're part of a panel, it's still, you may feel like, oh my God, all these people are looking at me, right? Um, and so no, it's, it's not just sitting in front of the mic and then speaking. <laughs> so, In your podcast, when you do have a, a panel format, the, your guests seem to have a lot of fun with you. There's something that happens before the podcast, probably that has a lot to do with your networking and relationships you have with them outside of just inviting them to talk. But I've also heard you say admittedly that you will just ask somebody to be on your show, whether you know them or not. Is that true? Oh, that's absolutely true. And as a matter of fact, my most recent um, episodes, I think the majority of the people, the majority of the people in my last episodes, I didn't know them. And they were people who actually reached out to me, right? Um, they were people who were like, oh, I, you know, I want to be on your show or they have their team who reach out and have them on a show. And so our first time meeting really is when they show up for the call. Now I do send out questions ahead of time and I do, you know, they fill out a guest profile. So I do go and I look, you know, a little bit at their bio um, just to pull, you know, for a question. But other than that, it's our first encounter. And so I love when that happens because as a matter of fact, I had a, um, uh, interview intimate conversation with Santana Ennis, uh, just the other day, I think that came out on Monday and we had a fun conversation. Oh my God, that it was so much fun with her. So sometimes that happens. Sometimes it's, it's just really like to the point, you know, like ask a question and they're answering, right. That happens as well. Um, but yeah, I love those moments where, you know, we kind of like let our hair down. And another person who I think of is Nikita uh, Thickpen Wren, I think it's her name, but I talk with her maybe over the summer or in, a, in the fall. And what she's reminded me to do, and I think about it often, is to play. So, and actually, you know what? I spoke to Nikita over a year ago because, wow, see, that goes to show how... Um, how, you know, that um, that intimate conversation has stuck with me because it was actually January, it was the, let's see, 20, it was in 2022 when she and I spoke, right? So maybe the, so the fall of 2022, she brought, you know, talked about play and then January of the next year, I happened to be in Orlando and uh, went over to uh, one of the amusement parks and got on the uh, roller coaster and had not been on a roller coaster in years, but I saw it from my bedroom window. And I said, you know what? I'm getting on that tomorrow. So once I'm done with everything, I'm going over there. And I did, and I laughed, and I made sure to let her know that I did play. <laughs> <laughs> right. And was it like, why had I waited so long to get on a roller coaster <laughs> since the last time? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you know what? And I mean, I hadn't been to the park probably in a minute, but it was just something that I said, I'm going to do that because I hadn't done it. And so it was fun. And so anytime like I do something now, um, like recently I did a boudoir shoot. And so I let her know, I say, hey, you know, I just did this boudoir shoot. And that that was play, right? Because it's fun. It was something that I did for fun. Right. Well, that's cool. That's what happens when you are sharing that with your audience too, right? One of the things I hear you say a lot is when I'm talking about, a, when Deneen's talking about living a dream lifestyle, I think I've heard you say 
It's not really just, oh, I want to buy a beach house, right? It's what do I want to do with my time, really? Yeah. Yeah. And so actually, so with the live a dream lifestyle, it, it means to define a dream life is different for different people, right? And so that's one of the questions that I do ask on a podcast. You know, I share that for me, number one is travel. That's my number way, number one way of living a dream lifestyle, and that's traveling. And then, you know, so I asked them, you know, how do you define a dream life? And then how are you living a dream life? And so the example that you're giving is um, I just recently um, launched, uh, released my uh, four series or four, yeah, four episodes of uh, how to live a dream lifestyle. And I say, and, and I give an example of in a dream phase, just dream, like just think big. That's what you're doing at this phase. So whether or not you're looking um, at Pinterest, whether or not you're, you know, looking at social media, you're seeing how other people are living. You're like, oh, I want to live like that. You know, I want a beach house and all these type of things. And then the next phase is decide uh, design where you decide, okay, where do you want that beach house? Right. Where do you want it? What type of beach house? all of those type of things and um, start designing what it looks like. So now you decide, okay, I want a dream life. I want a beach house. I want it in Belize. I want it to have two levels, right? That's part of your um, design phase. And then the final phase is drive and that's to make it happen, right? To go ahead and, and contact a realtor, um, get approved, pre-approved, and then um, look for and buy your dream house. <laughs> so that's the example that I use in the series. Um, but again, a dream life is different for different people. And what I also say is don't overwhelm yourself and think that you have to have it all together. You can do it in phases. You can say, okay, well, I'm going to go get that, that dream house first, then a dream car or however it goes for you. And like I said, for me, number one is uh, travel. And then um, also for me is attending events because I love to do events um, and also um, art. So I am a collector of art. And so I will go, you know, I'll travel to New York or wherever and go to a gallery, you know, to the museum, um, those type of things. So that's me. And that's the evolution of my dream life. So it went from, and so I will, like I said, travel. Okay. That's number one. I'm going to travel to, let's say an event um, in that event may be centered around art. So those are like the three things that drive me and are part of my dream life. Yeah, I was watching your um, your goal to elevate what 100 artists was that yes. part of yes. And I read some of your writing about the artists you were following and showcasing and, and I thought, I don't, I have no art history experience. <laughs> I have no idea how to support or comment <laughs> yeah. because I feel like I need some kind of a formal art education to be able to, to share in, in celebrating what you're doing there. But Hey, I just send a heart if that's all right. <laughs> it is absolutely all right. And you know what? And I love that you're saying what you're saying, because like me, I have no his, you know, no education in it either. It's just that, um, back going back to 2020, um, you know, I was traveling to Houston. I said, you know, I want to start collecting black art, went to a restaurant there. And, and this is kind of a ironic or, um, coincidental story. So I went to a restaurant called the breakfast club and they had all this beautiful art on the wall. They couldn't gave me the information for the artist. I met her the next day, bought my first piece. Right. So I became a collector and I, and over the period of time, I bought a total of five pieces from her. 
right? And then, you know, back home, you know, start going places, picking up some more art from other artists. And then fast forward to October of last year, went to this woman's house and she's one of the people that I uh, featured, um, Linda Whitaker and uh, Linda and David. And um, she mentioned the Breakfast Club. Now the Breakfast Club in Detroit happens to be an actual, um, it's a club in the sense that we meet weekly and we meet to showcase artists. So you have artists who come and they showcase their art. They get to show two pieces each um, and we have the opportunity to, to purchase that art, right? Um, and the purpose of it is to educate them right, to educate them on the business, because some of them are self-taught, many of them, and most of them did go, and they're formally educated, however, when they, when they're educated, which is not unlike regular college, they're taught the techniques, but they're not necessarily, they're not taught the business, so they know how to draw, or paint, and all those things, but then it's like, okay, how do I make money from this, and so that's kind of the, the gap that the um, breakfast club, uh, uh, feels. And so I say it's irony because I be, became aware of uh, the artists who I first collected from at the Breakfast Club restaurant. <laughs> and now I'm a part of the Breakfast Club, a like club, and I'm learning, right? Um, I'm learning and I'm like buying books, I'm reading, you know, so I'm, you know, YouTube, there's a woman that I follow and she happens to be out of um, Houston as well. And I'm learning, right? Because I want to be intentional with the art. I don't want to just buy like, oh, I love that it's pretty. Because for me, it's also about creating generational wealth. So my son is going to inherit all of my art. And, you know, I want him to inherit stuff that is going to appreciate. So I'm now more intentional because I choose to be, right? Because I've surrounded myself with people who are knowledgeable. And so now I'm at the stage where I'm learning. Wow. That's, 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 you'll have, you'll be able to tell your son's stories that he'll be able to share about the actual artists on his wall. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so um, earlier today, I uh, did a recording um, with a woman who happened to have modeled for one of the artists that I uh, highlighted. So the second artist that I highlighted, her name happens to be artist Lane, and she's 90 something years old. Mm -hmm. and yeah. And so Renee uh, Felton um, Bajani, um, I don't have that last name correctly, but it's an Italian name. But anyway, I interviewed her today, but she had reached out because she saw my highlight. She saw my highlight of artists. Apparently artists team had re, um, reposted it. And so she saw it, she commented, and it actually wanted a picture. So if you remember, it's it's like maybe three or four like hurdlers, women, they're hurt, you know, jumping mm -hmm. um, that sculpture. She's the model for that. <laughs> so the model for that piece reached out to me and I so happened to have her on the podcast today. She lives in Rome. <laughs> and so she's like, when you're in Rome, I will take you around. I'll show you around. So, you know, I have to add Rome to my, uh, <laughs> cool. Wow. Well, that's what happens when, <laughs> when Deneen goes places. <laughs> right. Wow. Okay. Well, so I have some important business questions to ask you too, right? Okay. And you had, we, you have, uh, in your experience, you know what it takes to 
elevate women of color in a panel situation. And my question to you, it you know has to do with how we define our audience. If you are in a world of men in general or white men in general or white audience in general, you know, how do you define your audience? I guess what I'm trying to ask is if you're in marketing, right? You want to define your ideal customer, your ideal audience to speak to them. This is different. You are trying to get a, Mm -hmm. a, you're trying to, you know, create, create space that may not be recognized. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we define our audience when figuring out how to market ourselves? Can we even say it like that? Yeah. So great question. And so in my case, I wasn't focused on um, the audience per se. I was focused on providing the women um, who I knew were missing a platform to use their voices and knowing that their voices weren't being heard. There's others whose voices are not being heard. So it really was for them and about them. And other people happen to be curious, maybe allies, all of the things. And so they showed up, right? So I was focused on here. There are women missing from this table. I'm creating this table for them. And so they all can't be on the panel, right? So I know that, you know, X number will be on the panel. And then there are some more who are going to come and show up because they're going to tell people, hey, I'm on this particular panel. This is, oh my God, we don't usually have this. We don't usually see this, right? And so they show up, right? They're for a number of reasons. So I'm typically, when I'm doing a panel, I'm not so much concerned about the who, the audience, I'm, I'm really concerned in, in this specific case, I'm concerned about giving those people who don't have a table, you know, a, a seat. And the second year that we did it, there were people who were lined up against the walls, sitting on the floor because all the seats were full. Right. And these were not all LGBTQ plus women of color and allies or yes, allies, but these weren't all women of color, LGBTQ plus women of color. These were other people, right? These LGBTQ plus men, because the event itself was an event for LGBTQ plus people. Um, And so, yeah. And they, and, and, you know, and even though the audience was this, it's not the message and the experiences are things that other people experience, right? So yes, it's just that this particular demographic is often forgotten about. Well, it goes to show you, um, you know, when you are um, paying attention to the important message, sometimes you just have to stand up and take the stage and that's it. And then you'll find your audience. Yes feel like um I need some coaching when I look when I when I listen to you speak when I listen to women of color speak when I'm following content online there's a lot of um a cheerleader feeling in me where I feel like yeah we you know I women women go women you know and I just get excited and then I was thinking in preparing my questions for you that I wonder if 
I, as a, as a white woman are not making a mistake sometimes thinking that I understand the biases and the things that, uh, that women of color experience, because I'm not a woman of color. So I want to be an advocate, but I also want to say that I feel like you were saying other people have these experiences, like we all can have shared experiences, but you know, you know, I want to be careful to not assume that I understand, you know, what a woman of color is experiencing in, in the business world or in life in general. Yeah. I don't really know what to ask you except to express that concern. No, I appreciate that. And I actually appreciate your um, interest in learning, right? Um, And reaching out, connecting, following, learning, because that's really the key, learn, right? And you're doing those things, right? And and asking questions, but knowing when when to ask questions, right? Um, Timing um, is important. and, And also don't look to women of color, Black women, don't look to us to give you all the answers, right? Um, but there's time when you can ask, but just kind of, you know, tiptoe around when you're asking. So for an example, um, in, you know, 2020 was not just the pandemic. It was also when George Floyd was murdered. That's not a, that's not a good time to ask a lot of questions, right? Other than what can I do for you? Really? That's probably the number one questions. Uh, question, but not getting into a lot of whole other things that look it up. You know what I'm saying? Educate yourself. Um, So that's what I mean as far as timing, but like, you know, right now, you know, it's Black History Month. So there's things that's out there and again, you know, anytime, right? So there's content that's out there specific to and around Black history. Um, And then also there's just so much like go online and and check information and of course ask questions right but you know try to educate yourself as much as possible well so when i am uh, looking to look around the table and see who's missing you know that was yeah. uh, one of my questions now obviously you can say elizabeth you have a podcast and you can invite people who don't look like you onto your podcast and that's that's great but what can you know we do actually when we're in the world physically around other people um am i blending two questions together maybe but um you know uh how can i position myself to create opportunities for women of color was the first question so maybe i'll stop with that for a second (laughs) yeah so like you you know as far as so then you have to look at well what is what is the um position that you hold Right. So you're, you know, you mentioned the workplace. So what is your role in the workplace? Are you in a position? And it's not even, it's not even so much are you in a position, but create it. You know what I'm saying? Like I was one who created a lot. I'm constantly creating this, creating that. Just it just always happened that way for me. So create an opportunity to bring people together, right? Like, hey, you know, let's have a, you know, a coffee talk you know what I'm saying let's let's do a a weekly coffee or this or that where we come together and we have conversations that's something you can do right you know basically what you're doing on a podcast extend that and and do it in the workplace um and if you do have a position um let's say you're in a hiring you know look your candidates do they all look like you Okay, well, then you have to push back and say, I need to see some more diverse candidates. I need to see diverse candidates. 
And I, I'm sure they're out there. I know they're out there because there's the event that I was at was actually a black engineers event. 12,000 black people were there. <laughs> Pretty much who are engineers. Okay, so there's at least 12,000 engineers that folks have access to, right? So the people are there. So if you're not seeing them come across your desk, you got to ask questions and push back because we're out here. In a social setting, when I'm around somebody who, you know, says something insensitive about a, a, a woman or a person or a woman of color, you know, do I have a place to correct other people? You know, um, mm -hmm. how can I support and demonstrate, you know, uh, women and people of color in social yeah. settings? You know what? Um, possibly just say to that person, hey, tell me more about that. Right. And so now you're stopping them and now they have to actually uh, think about it. You know, like, well, why are you saying that? Or what makes you think that? Or based on what? Right. So now they have to explain themselves. Right. And they may or they may not have and most likely they're probably not going to have, you know, a legitimate response. They may not even have a response. They're stunned at this point. Right. Because, oops, they didn't expect for anybody to say anything other than, yeah, you're right. I agree with you and blah, blah, blah. And go down, you know, and go down that rabbit hole. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, be, be curious. Mm -hmm. is what I would recommend is be curious. I, oh, why do you say that? Oh, what makes you think that? Or, hey, you know, oh, I think that um, that person is demonstrating great leadership skills. They're doing this, that, and the other, which are signs of a great leader. Like, you know, like the example that you're talking about, uh, <laughs> it was a, a little girl and mm -hmm. it was a, it was a little girl who, you know, typically you would call bossy and like, oh, wow, she's really bossy. No, she's a leader. Mm -hmm. She's, she's able to articulate herself, right? And so those are some things that you can do in any setting. And then a, another thing that I love that you picked up that you use, right? Signal boost. Mm -hmm. Definitely signal boosting. So you're at, you're having a conversation, whether it's in a workplace, it's in a social setting. And let's just say someone, a woman of color, black woman was trying to speak and someone kind of like over-talked her or kind of dismissed her. Oh, well, I think Denise was trying to say something. What were you saying, Denise? Right? And so that's a way of including as well, right? So when I was talking earlier about, you know, you invited them to the table, but okay, include them, make them feel like they belong, that they have a place and not just sitting there so they can be, oh, well, I guess I'm happy they let me in a door. I, no, that's not enough. Right, right. What's the point? I want to hear from you. <laughs> Teach me something. <laughs> We're speaking. Am I saying this correctly? At it, Bay STEM DTX conference. Yes, yes. I uh, moderated a panel. Right. So you um, had said that they were examining methods for developing employees, and uh, you, you, the verbiage here is that coaching involves motivating team members and providing guidance to help them achieve their individual goals. And I, I uh, wrote to you in respect to your coaching to live a dream lifestyle, can you apply that to team leaders? Oh yeah. I mean, absolutely. So when you, um, when you just look at, you absolutely can. So the whole purpose of me coaching to live a dream lifestyle is really an individual for you to think about what brings you joy and to work towards that. Right. And so I guess if you were to say, okay, how do we apply that in the workplace? 
um, in a corporate team environment. Well, what what is the goal that the team is trying to achieve? And so again, dream, like think about it. Like th that's when you're at the whiteboard, right? Like you're kind of just throwing out ideas. Um, you're, you're doing that and then you decide, okay, well, which one are we going to go with? And then let's go ahead and design it, right? So whether that's, um, you know, creating creating a blueprint, et cetera, and then making it happen. So my, my three plus Ds absolutely works in any environment, right? Um, it's just probably a, a reframing of those words, you know what I'm saying? But dream, that is what you're doing when you're coming up, like, come on guys, you know, let's spitball all these ideas brainstorming that's dreaming right and then the rest of it is pretty much you know that's that's fully in alignment but the dream part is the brainstorming the come up let's no idea is a, a dumb idea or you know what I'm saying like just come up with those ideas and so it absolutely applies in all settings absolutely there are certain leaders who are really great at learning how individual motivation works. Can, can Deneen coach me how to coach my team? Yeah, absolutely. And it's something that we actually talked about um, during the um, panel, um, which is for me, I do something that's called, um, God, what is it? Get to know you. So when I have a team, I meet with everybody individually and I share something about myself personally and professional, and I encourage them to do the same. So now we're connecting, right? And we're connecting beyond just the workplace. Now I do it because I want to have that information to be able to inspire and motivate you as you're doing the work, right? So I have this information. And so now when you're doing the work, which the jobs are typical jobs that they don't really want to do, <laughs> right? Okay. But yeah. it's a job. And so then I say, hey, well, you know what? Remember when we had the conversation and you told me that, you know, you aspire to do X, Y, Z, or you're doing this because of yada, 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 you know, I want to remind you of that. I want to remind you of your why. And another thing that I would do too is collectively we would do vision boards. So everybody would do their own vision board or an or write in an aspiration journal about what they aspire towards, right? And I did that because I'm building relationships with people and I want them to remember their why and, and the visual board is a visual representation of the why. And then a journal is something you can flip back to. So some people don't like vision boards and some people prefer the journal. So whichever way, again, as a leader, I'm giving you an option, right? What works best for you? The point of this whole exercise is for you to think about what drives you, right? So you're dreaming, right? You're deciding, you're designing your vision board, your journal, and then you're driving towards making it happen, which the job is a vehicle, a mechanism, a way to get to what it is you're, you're driving towards. Mm -hmm. So it could be because I want to save up for that beach house. You know, it could be because I have kids to feed, you know, um, all the different things, your, your why. But your why is individual, right? But it's, I want to remind you of that. And then I want to, and then with all this information, then I also will seek opportunities for you. So there's things that may come across, you know, my desk, or I'm going to look for them for you. An example is one of the women, I think she was in school for like organizational development. Well, I put her in charge of like doing team building. 
right? But I would not known that had we not had that conversation, right? The getting to know you conversation followed up with the vision boards. And that's what I would do for people. It's like I would get to know them, the relationship, find out what makes them tick, find out the things that they want to do and look for those opportunities for them. Well, now you become a different kind of partner in your, yeah. in your team. That's, um, I imagine that means that your team members are now coming to you with ideas that they may not have shared with you before. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing because it's not just about me being, um, this, the manager, right? It's about me being a leader. It's about us having a relationship. It's about me helping you to reach your goals. It's about me helping you to connect that doing this job, how it could impact the things that you're trying to do. So it could be because of the discipline, right? Because, you know, you have to be here on time. You have to log in on time. You know, whatever the situation is, you have to show up. Um, you know what I'm saying? And, and all of those different things, but having those conversations to be able to connect dots that people wouldn't necessarily connect. Because for an example, one person, uh, when I had a conversation with him, I was talking about, well, equated to like studio time, right? Let's say you're a singer or whatever, uh, producer, studio time. When you're late, that costs money. Mm -hmm. And so it a light bulb went out off for this person and I and this person was interested in like that that is something right. that this person was interested in so I was able to connect those dots for him right and to help him to relate that oh wow okay this does apply in other areas this transferable right I don't want to be the person costing my manager or my company <laughs> money. If that makes sense, then woo, that's going to make sense to me. <laughs> right, exactly. For, for that exactly. person that hit home. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the event was called On the Edge, Black Women in the Glass Cliff. And you all were discussing things that women of color experience and the glass cliff being one. I, I would like for you to, to define that if you can. Uh, would you like to talk about uh, what was expressed in that event? Yeah, so what was uh, interesting is that all of the panelists, I believe we all were on the same page to whereas... Um, one woman, I think she used, retired her cape. So everyone was like, I retire my cape. Like I'm done with the fight, right? Um, I want ease. I want to live my dream lifestyle. I'm focused on that. And so even with me in particular, those were how, that's how I responded and how I answered. I'm like, focus on yourself. What brings you joy? Because like, I think, you know, Elizabeth, I had retired and I retired early and I retired because I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm good. <laughs> no. When can I leave? Oh, okay. In 18 months. Great. I'm out of here. Right. Um, and still did the work, still excelled. However, I made a decision that I choose me, right? Because in a corporate environment, often nobody is really choosing you. You have to choose yourself. You have to keep yourself first. Um, and again, that's why I promote what brings you joy. And now it doesn't mean you have to retire. It doesn't mean you have to quit. What it does mean is 
find out what brings you joy, what makes you happy, what, you know, sparks, you know, that feeling inside, what drives you and do more of that, right? Say yes to everything that gets you to that and say no to things that get in the way of that, right? But you have to get clear with yourself as to what that is. And so the women on the panel, they pretty much were all there. Like, they're like, you know what? No, I'm going to do this thing. You know, I'm going to do something else instead. I'm going to do it differently. I'm not fighting any longer. Um, we're over all of it because people started to see they have value, right? And they had to start to value themselves because they recognize that others weren't necessarily valuing them, right? Everybody is not doing what I do, which is let's get to know you. Let me understand what makes you tick and let me look for opportunities for you. You don't find that. That wasn't like what all the managers were doing. <laughs> it was what I was doing. You know what I'm saying? And so you have less of those people, you have less leaders and you have more managers and people are managing things and tasks as opposed to leading and developing and uh, collaborating and building relationships, right? And so again, going back to that panel, that was a conversation. And then as far as like the, uh, the clip or even the cement, because I had interviewed a woman, had an intimate conversation with, I believe it was Brietta uh, Calloway uh, shortly before, and she introduced me to the um, ceiling, the glass, not glass only, but the cement ceiling. And I'm like, I oh, I had to that. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, that's deep. And you're right. Because no, we can't see. You can't see beyond it. So the glass ceiling is at least you can see, right? But with the cement ceiling, which is definitely an experience that I know I've had and other women that I've talked to have had because you can't see beyond. Like you're having to ask all these questions and the answers are ambiguous or, you know, you're not getting a path to excelling, a path to getting to that next level, or it's a loop, right? Which is something that I ended up experiencing. It's like, oh, well, you know, you have to move around. And then even if you move around in that circle, there's no guarantee that you're going to go to the next level. And so that's even something that I had to contend with because I, you know, was, I actually was in my dream role um, the last few years of my career. I was in my dream role and I wanted to be promoted. Well, in order to be promoted, I needed to move around because the head of HR at the time wanted people to have um, experience like um, managing a staff um, and not manage a staff as in like a manager with a team, but having a, a client, like a large client. Um, and there was a couple roles that gave you that opportunity. And so I had to think like, do I really want possibly a promotion? You know, do I really want to make these moves, these changes um, to leave what I absolutely love doing to go and do something else that is just okay because potentially I might get promoted. And so that's a decision that I had to make. And I'm like, you know what? Absolutely not. Because I, it took five, six years for me to get into my dream role. So I had to be clear with myself again, knowing what it is that I wanted and say, you know what? Mm -mm. No, you wanted this. You have this. Why would you leave this for a potential promotion? Like that title and in the few dollars, you know, is not more important than this joy that the current role is giving you. So.
Well, and it sounds like it takes practice to weed through the, what should I do? What do I want versus mm -hmm. what should I want? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And it's part of something that I coach and that's what I was doing before I left. So I was even saying to my peers, I'm like, hey, get clear about what it is that you want and then make sure everything you say yes to gets you there. Right. And it's in, and we were kind of talking about, so if you want to be, you know, the top, the extraordinary uh, person, like getting the top um, rating when they did the reviews. Okay. Well then you're going to have to ask the person doing the reviewing what they want and do the things that they want. Right. Now those things may not be in alignment with what you really want for yourself. So you have to make a decision. What's most important chasing after possibly becoming number one, or really working on and doing the things that will get you what it is that you love. And it's something you have to decide and be okay with. And like, for me, I decided I want to do all these other things over here for me. Um, if I get number one out of it, if I get additional money out of it, it's just a bonus. If I don't get it, I'm okay with it. I had to be okay with it. But again, it's about getting clear with what it is that I wanted. And that's what I coached my colleagues, the same thing, get clear about what you want and, and move that way. Well, I, I hope to follow in your footsteps, not a little bit, a lot. I think, you know, <laughs> I see you, um, you, you, you say you want to get involved in collecting art. Well, that sounds like fun, but now look at what you're doing is you're involved in elevating women of color in the art world. You're involved in the, in a club, you call it a club. No, Deneen is creating business opportunities for these <laughs> artists. So hello. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I thank you so much. I, I'm not even sure what time it is. So I, <laughs> I hope, I hope that uh, we had fun here today. I did. <laughs> yes. Okay. And yeah. so right now, um, I know how to find you on LinkedIn and DaneenLGarrett.com though. That's where all of your good stuff is. <laughs> that is where all the good stuff is. And I am on this YouTube uh, kick. So please um, connect, you know, follow me on YouTube, subscribe to my channel, watch the videos there. Um, I'm really pushing on um, YouTube, getting, um, you know, really getting grounded there. And then for those who prefer uh, podcasts, Spotify, like that's number one. Um, so, you know, follow me or subscribe to the channel uh, there. And again, also on YouTube, those are huge for me. And like you said, LinkedIn, I am active there. Wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope you have a great day and talk to you soon. All right. Same to you and thank you and keep doing what you're doing. Thank you so much for joining me today. My name's Elizabeth coming to you from the Walker Consulting Work Studio in Floyd, Virginia. This has been an episode of Dear Business Coach. Mm -hmm.